So I'm happy to be here today. It's uh, a new year, and um, the best part about the new year is we're all here. We get to do it again, another 365 around the sun, you know? And what are we going to do, and how are we going to do it? You know, the world, as you might have suspected, doesn't get better. We just get used to it. And as we get used to it, we need some new skills. We need to be able to, to walk and sit in equanimity and balance and inner peace. And if you watch the news, it's not going to lead to inner peace. If you follow politics, it's not going to lead to inner peace. It's interesting. It's invigorating. It gives us a chance to feel uncomfortable, but it doesn't lead to anything good, as far as I can tell. So I'm going to talk about building a practice, and this would be more of a Buddhist practice, but some of the stuff is relevant to any practice and any religion. And the reason this is important is because we have to prepare ourselves. We have work to do. We need to bring good to the world. And the older we get, the less time we have to do it. So every day becomes important. I get to be 71 this year. How exciting is that? You know, and I've never been 71 before. I don't know what to expect. But I realize the older I get, every day will be the best day I'll ever have. It's all downhill <laughs> from here on out. <laughs> so building a practice. What can we do for ourselves to make a difference in the world? Well, in Buddhism, we have something called the five precepts. But I've added the sixth one, and I will share that with you today. So in the morning... If you decide to follow this practice, you get up, and the first thing you say to yourself is, today, I will practice not taking any life. Whatsoever. We're talking mosquitoes, cockroaches. We're talking all the things that just drive us nuts. And death is the easiest answer. It solves all the problems. But you can't kill them all. You know? And they're going to come back, and they're going to irritate you, and they're in your space. But what makes it your space? You pay rent. You have a mortgage. You own that space. It's all an illusion. They don't know. <laughs> they think it's okay to be anywhere because that's the way it always has been. So today I'm not taking any life. But today I'm also encouraging life which is the other side of it. Now, I get to do this every day. I feed cats. We have 9 to 12 cats that live and visit our meditation center. And depending on what we have for dinner, we have more or we have less. <laughs> but they're wonderful little creatures, and I feel by feeding them, I'm giving a chance to be full and satisfied, and they can take their nap. And I've started something new now. 
We have possums and raccoons in Koreatown. How the hell did they get there? <laughs> Where do they live during the day? You never see them. So what I do is I have dry cat food out all day for the cats. And in the evening, after the evening meal, I collect all the dry cat food and I put them next to a stupa of Reverend Karuna. Now a stupa is like a sort of a monument and we have some of her ashes in there. She loved animals. I can't think of a better way to represent her than having the food in front of her stupa. And now it's towards the back, so it's away from the houses. And every morning when I do the morning meal, I notice all the food is gone and the water is a mess and the bowl is tipped over. I'm thinking, ah, the raccoons and the possums were here. They're, they're not very good eaters. They, they eat a lot, but they're not, they don't have table manners, if you will. So I wake up in the morning. Today I'm not taking anybody out. I'm not going to kill anything. I'm going to encourage life. Number two, today I'm not going to take anything that wasn't given. I'm not going to steal anything or use something that wasn't offered to me. I'm going to honor, honor the opportunity to, to not make people feel uncomfortable because I've taken something from them, whether it be food or drink or money or a pencil, whatever it is. People think they own stuff, and I know they don't, but they have receipts. <laughs> And these receipts give them the illusion of ownership. So I don't want to upset the boat. Now, the other side of not taking what is not given is to be generous, to offer something once in a while. Now, I get to offer cat food every day. I spend personally about $150 a month on cat food. And when I thought about that, I thought, what a deal I've got. Because if I had to feed one human being, it'd be five or six hundred a month. And they still wouldn't be satisfied. <laughs> but the cats, you know, they're a little picky once in a while, but they're happy to get food. So generosity, whether it be money or time, the older I get, the less time I have. It's become important to me. It's valuable to me. I don't want to waste my time, you know, though I might watch maybe part of the playoff football games today, but that's not really wasting time, is it? I don't know. So, <laughs> so here we are faced with the, not to take stuff, but to give stuff. Number three, today I'm not going to practice any sexual misconduct. Well, my lifestyle makes that a little easier than perhaps yours. <laughs> but the other side of no sexual misconduct is abstinence. Today I'm going to practice abstinence. Now that's a bad word because we like sex. And sex is the reason we're all here. And even though we have 7 billion people, we're still having sex. Because we want more people. More the merrier. So what if there's bad water and bad air 
and no apartments or houses for people to live in, let's have some more people. Back in the 60s, they were talking population control. I don't know what happened. Why did they stop talking? So here we all are. Somebody asked the Dalai Lama, what would be a good way to practice population control? And the Dalai Lama said, well, I would suggest making one of your children, either the woman, the girl, or the boy, a monk or a nun. (laughs) Then we'd have less people and more spirituality. I thought, that sounds pretty good. Number four, not to speak unskillfully. Today I'm only going to speak skillfully. Today I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to talk about good things, not bad things. And then, finally, when you're not talking about the bad stuff, then you talk about the good stuff. We're going to have to look for it, though, because the good stuff isn't necessarily obvious. Sometimes you have to sort of look around, find out what's good in your life, what is good in your head. How can you share that? How can you make people say, feel just a little bit better about themselves? Now, my mom, who passed away years and years ago, she was very wise. And she said, if you want people to feel good, always say please and thank you. And it works, because nobody does that anymore. No matter where you go. Shopping, buying groceries, walking down the street, driving your car. Nobody ever says please and thank you anymore. You could be the first one on your block (laughs) to change the way people think about stuff. Number five, this is the most difficult one of all. Not to consume intoxicants. Don't get high. Well, you know, marijuana is legal. You can go and get beer. You can do all sorts of stuff to just change the way you perceive the world. And the problem with getting high, according to Buddhism, is it makes you stupid. (laughs) And you do dumb things, and you suffer more than less. So why would you want to do that? You spend hours and hours on a meditation cushion trying to purify your mind. You may have gone to college, gotten a wonderful degree, and six-pack of beer, that degree diminishes dramatically. (laughs) So the other side of not getting high is to practice clarity, to be here now. We just lost Ramdas. He was 88. He lived a long life. One of my favorite speakers before his stroke. He always had something funny to say, and he always used himself as an example so he didn't make other people feel bad. Good guy. Be here now. That requires us to have clarity and consciousness, and it requires us to not be high. Now, the sixth precept I would suggest is this. Wake up every morning and say to yourself, today I'm going to be kind. It is so hard to be kind, I find, because it takes time. It takes time. You have to think about stuff. You're not quite sure what the kind word might be in any situation. And sometimes the best way to be kind is not say anything at all. Silence. And there's not enough of that in the world today. 
We need more silence. So there you go. So you wake up in the morning, I'm not taking anybody out, I'm not going to steal anything, I'm not going to make people feel uncomfortable sexually, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to get high, I'm going to try and be kind. That's how you start your day. That's how you prepare yourself for being good in the world. Now, as a Buddhist, we don't talk a whole lot about God. I want to tell you, it's just, it's, it's not as important to us as a Buddhist because our trip, if you will, is to not suffer. The Buddha talked about why we suffer, how we end our suffering, and I've been involved in a religious dialogue for a long time. And I tell people who believe in God that we can't spell it. We don't know how to spell God. We spell God G-O-O-D. And they go, what? I said, yeah, good. You know, good is, good is what we can be with a little practice. Good is what we can do in the world. Good can change the world. And all we need to do is wake up every morning and say today, I'm going to be the change I want to see. It's going to start with me, whether I think it should or not. It's my responsibility. I'm accountable. Okay, now I would encourage reflection. I would encourage meditation. I would encourage something that allows you to be still for a few moments every day and watch your thoughts. And you're going to be disappointed when you watch your thoughts. Because... They are not what you think you should be thinking about. You know, there's a lot of greed, there's a lot of hatred, there's a lot of delusion in every one of those thoughts. And it's always about me. That's who's thinking. I'm thinking about me and what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it and how I can do it better. And it's always about me. So, as a Buddhist... We sit quietly and we watch the thoughts arise, exist, and pass away. Arise, exist, and pass away. And then we say to ourselves, well, with all these thoughts, half might be good and half might be unskillful. And if I'm aware of the unskillful thoughts, I don't have to speak or act when they arise. I can wait for them to go away. And they always do. Sometimes it takes a couple days for those thoughts to go away because you're thinking revenge, getting even, when's the time? But sooner or later, they all go away. And as I get older, they go away faster. (laughs) So, okay, so now they're all going away. But now how about that good thought? How about that thought of generosity? We don't want to let that go without acting on it. So that's the one we act on it. How about that thought of loving kindness? You want to pet the cat or the dog or make somebody feel just a little bit better. You don't want to let that go. That's your opportunity. How about that thought of wisdom and insight? Hey, you want to hold on to that as long as you can because that adds clarity. It makes you far more able to do something in the world that benefits others instead of just yourself. 
So as we sit quietly and reflect and watch the thoughts arise, exist, and pass away, we come to realize that we don't have to be the thoughts. The thoughts are simply a tool that enables us to be in the world in a very unique and personal way. That's it. That's all the thoughts are. Thinking, thinking. Thinking, thinking. People spend thousands of dollars to go to school to think a certain way. Okay, that's cool. That's a good investment, but maybe not necessary for everybody. We can have a good thought and not spend any money at all. Okay, so now we come to the third part of our practice, the wisdom part of our practice. This might be the most difficult. Three kinds of wisdom we want to reflect on every day. The first one is everything changes. Everything changes. And, and I don't like the way it changes. There was a norms that I used to go to. They closed. How can they close norms? It's 24-7 and always crowded. You know? And they closed it. Wow, I was so disappointed. And, and then I look in the mirror, and I go, what the hell happened? That changed, too. And I didn't want it to. I was hoping it wouldn't. But, you know, I have less hair than I've ever had before. In my line of work, that's not a bad thing. But when it's cold, I have to wear a little knit cap because the heat just goes right out the head. So that changed. And then the sad part is any kind of peace that the world ever has changes. It never lasts long enough. We can say the same thing about war and bad stuff. It doesn't last. But while it's here, it causes people a lot of suffering. It causes animals a lot of suffering. It causes the elderly a lot of suffering who can't get out of the war zone. I am so happy to hear that we're talking about the animals in Australia. Because usually it's about homes and people. But now we got animals. And you know what? They're part of the mix. We're connected to them. Those little cats that I take care of, they don't know me by name, but they know me by face, and they know I feed them every day, and that's why they're my friend. And it works out fine. I feel so interconnected and interdependent when I'm around animals. And you know what? For the most part, animals don't judge. I like that too. There's this sort of like this total acceptance or resistance. Either way. And there they are. And they don't look at me in a bad way. Sometimes they don't look at me at all. But when they do look at me, it's with curiosity. I wonder what this guy wants. Why is he looking at me? That's what they're saying. And I just smile and say, please and thank you. And they feel much better. So the idea is everything's impermanent. Don't get attached. It's going to change. You're going to change. It's going to change. Everything changes. There's nothing we can do about it. But you know what? The best part about everything changes is that we can always be better. We can always be better because of the change. If everything stayed the same, we wouldn't have 
the opportunity to become a better person. We'd stayed the same person our whole life, and our next life, and our next life. But every moment is the first moment of our life. It doesn't seem like that. Yesterday we had a little short meditation retreat at the meditation center, and this fellow who comes on a regular basis invited a friend. And, she, and he said about her, this is her first time here. And I said, it's always the first time. And she said, what? I said, yeah, everything we do is always the first time. It seems familiar, but I'm different, you're different, the situation is different, the moment is different. It's always the first time. Now, today, think about that. We are celebrating the new year. The first time this year has ever happened. Things will happen in this year that have never happened before. Things every day are brand new. And they never have happened before. And they'll never happen again in the same way. And how exciting does that make your life seem? It's not boring. It's not the same old life. These aren't the same old people. This isn't the same old place this is brand new. You've never been here before in the way you are today. How much fun is that? And every time I get on the freeway, it does feel like the first time. <laughs> I'm thinking, where the hell do these people learn to drive? What's wrong? And then I realize everything's changing all the time. I'm driving slower, they're driving faster. <laughs> what are you going to do? Okay, the second bit of wisdom we want to reflect on every day is that life is ultimately unsatisfactory. Now, it doesn't have to be depressing, and it should be no big surprise to anybody that's looked around and seen life, but it always turns out to be unsatisfactory because... Everything changes. And all the good stuff that you wanted to hang around and be with and be part of changes. And ultimately, our life will turn out to be unsatisfactory. You go to Disneyland, they kick you out every day. They got to clean up the place, make it ready for the next day. If you can't even stay in the happiest place on earth and be happy... How can you possibly think that life isn't unsatisfactory? You know, and then the aging process, you know, I wish somebody had warned me. You know, it's no fun. It only gets more difficult. But there's less and less of you there. You may not notice it. And then you go, okay. You know, and you, just to walk. Sometimes walking can be a real challenge in a straight line. You know, man, what happened to my balance? What's wrong with my feet? Well, you've been walking around for 70 years. Something's got to give sooner or later. You go to the dentist, they take out a tooth. Don't take out the tooth. No, no. It's 70 years old. It needs to come out. Well, really? How about a cap or a crown? Make it look new again. We can do that, they say. It's only $2,000. But you'll look really good especially when it's time for you to go. <laughs> okay. okay, so you spend your $2,000. And you remember, 
if you ignore your teeth, they'll go away. And so, okay, okay. I'm going to invest some money in that. Maybe I don't need the new car anymore. Maybe I've only got a couple years to go. My old car is fine, you know? It's just you really start changing the way you look at stuff, and then the idea of life never gets better sort of makes sense because you're never surprised again. It doesn't blow your mind. I was talking earlier about the war thing. How many more peace vigils or marches are we going to get involved in? I was around in Vietnam. You know, there's a lot of people who weren't happy with Vietnam. They were protesting, and you finally think, okay, we got it over. We, we signed the documents. Everybody's happy now. And then there's another one. And then there's another one. And I don't really know if you remember Grenada, but Grenada was the last war that we won. You know? They took over the university. They held the students as hostage. We sent in the Marines. We're going to show them. We saved the students. And everybody's so proud of Grenada. And I'm thinking, what the heck are people thinking? Why can't we just get along? We're only here a short amount of time. 70, 80 years if we're lucky. Maybe 90. But when I see 90-year-old people, I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm thinking 80 might be better. (laughs) And the last bit of wisdom we need to reflect on is we are not who we think we are. According to Buddhism, there is no self. It's a process. It's not an event. I always wanted to be an event. I thought, how cool would it be to be an event, to walk into a room and there's the event that walks in. Everybody goes, whoa, look at that. The event is here. (laughs) And instead they look at me and they just see a process. Trying to walk in. Trying to have something to say. You know, and, and, and the older I get, the less hair and the, and, and the wrinkles. And, and you go, wow, okay, is that really me? And it's not. It's not me. I'm here because you're here. We create each other. I know that sounds really weird, but we are a victim of circumstance. And because I'm here, you're here. Because you're here, I'm here. And there's a certain person talking to you because you're here and I'm here, but I don't talk like this in the car, you know, because now the car is creating me and making me the driver, okay, and the other people on the freeway are making me a safe driver because I'm avoiding them. So every time I think it's me, I really have to stop and go, maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just reacting, hopefully responding to the circumstances I find myself in. But then I'm a different person with different circumstances. And so where does the true me reside or exist? Can I find it? Can I do an x-ray and find the true self? And in Buddhism, we would say, no, you can't. You can't find the true self. Because there isn't one. There's nothing that stands independent from everything else. 
You are interconnected and you are interdependent and you are part of everything and everyone on this earth. And if there's one animal dying in the fires of Australia, man, that's part of you. And you can feel it. You can feel the suffering. You can feel that. But if there's one person that's happy, like when I do a wedding and everybody's happy, you know what? I got nothing to say. Because we talk about why we suffer and how to end suffering. And everybody's having such a good time. I just eat the cake <laughs> and go on my way. I'm thinking, yeah, that happens too. The good stuff happens too. And the bad stuff happens too. But we're not the good stuff or the bad stuff. We can be the reason for the good stuff. And we can be the reason to not have the bad stuff. But it's not about being. I know big people, I think therefore I am. We would say, no, that is not correct. I think, therefore, I do. It's the doing that makes the biggest difference in the world. Can we do good? A Christian might say, can we do God? Yes, we can do good. We can make a difference. And if you are thinking about others, every time you make somebody else's life just a little bit better, your life is a little bit better because we're interconnected and interdependent. So every time I feed the cats, I need to eat less. How cool is that? Because I'm sympathetic to them. I'm empathetic to them. And by feeding them, I'm feeding myself. So this is a new year. It's going to be great. But we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of good to bring into the world. So let's not forget what our job is. Our job is to be the best person we can be. And then we die. <laughs> but think how well you'll die. You'll have such wonderful thoughts of all the things you did, all the people you've helped, all the situ situations you've been in, and that last thought and that last breath will be a good one. I brought my harmonica today so I could just play a little bit for you to make you feel better about what I've just said. <laughs>